This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello and welcome to Paranormal Pets. We are down to our last few episodes on Yokai. And for this particular episode, we are going to talk about the Kappa. As per usual, the Stark Clan Pug Pack remains asleep all around me, and I am talking into a recorder, so it'll be a very exciting night. But what else is there to do when you're on break, right? Other than to mass produce episodes on Yokai. So, Stay tuned. We will talk about the water-dwelling kappa creature, and uh, we'll start with that right after these messages. Tired of wasting money on giant bags, boxes, and jugs of litter that don't last? Switch to World's Best Cat Litter, the only litter that lets you use less and get more. World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to deliver outstanding odor control and easy cleanup. It's lightweight, 99% dust-free, and pet, people, and planet-friendly. It's even flushable. Make the switch to World's Best Cat Litter and save $2. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back to Paranormal Pets. I am your host, Brandy Stark. We are dealing with one of our last episodes on the yokai. There is one more after this on the human-faced animal-bodied yokai, which I think are kind of cool. But we are going to take a few minutes to talk about the kappa. Now, before I get started with that, let me tell you what a yokai is. A yokai is a Japanese spirit, if you haven't heard this in all of the prior episodes, that actually embodies very abstracted things like the mysterious or sound or unusual feelings or urban legends or ghost stories or animal spirits or kami servants or... And it goes on and on. They can be objects that uh, turn 100 and thereby get a yokai. They get a soul. They become kind of these little creatures. At the age of 99, by the way, a lot of these items start their transformations. And so they get these really weird quasi-humanoid features. So that's something to look forward to if you have antiques. One uh, example of a yokai is something called the bean washer, which I find kind of interesting because uh, it reminds me a little bit of the... Those that hoard money in Catholic tradition are sometimes said to go to purgatory, particularly from the Middle Ages, where they must wash money for all of eternity because they were so greedy. They are washing this mound of coins and they manifest every now and again to the world of the living, washing these coins and weeping for their torment. Well, the bean washer does not weep for torment, which is good, but it is a yokai that creates a sound of azuki beans being washed in a river, pond, or well. Now that is really specific. Most likely what it is, is it's the sound of water rushing over pebbles, but it's still kind of interesting. Azuki are very powerful beings during the Setsuban celebration in early February. For example, family members in many parts of Japan throw soybeans while shouting out with the oni and in with the good fortune, and then each eats as many beans as his or her age. The magical properties of the beans ward off evil and usher in good fortune for the year to come. 
Similarly, special events such as weddings, graduations, and other achievements are often celebrated by eating sekihan rice cooked with red azuki beans. So, kind of an interesting aspect here, but what we want to talk about are the kappa. Now, I do find this to be kind of an interesting aspect. Oh, we might... Uh, might loop through a couple of things here. But one thing that I thought was really quite fun is that I was watching, yes, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, because you can't have a doctorate and not watch cartoons. And it was interesting because the the more modern version of the Ninja Turtles is actually pretty good. It has a lot of CGI or animation that's fairly fluid. I'm, I'm always quite impressed with it. And in fact, uh, the turtles actually have freckles and individual marks on their bodies. And it's you know, back in my day, we watched really poorly animated cartoons and we liked it. But here, I find the animation to be just, I don't know, I just find it fascinating what we can do and how we can really create these fantastic worlds. Uh, I think that's perhaps the reason why we're starting to see and why we have seen this great rise in comic book film recently. But to get back to the story, they are actually also following some of the Eastman and Layard comic book from the early 80s, I believe. I actually had some of these. I can't believe it. I think I sold them off like in 1992, which I never should have done because they're worth a fortune. But they actually meet up with this time traveling woman who's kind of a ditz and doesn't know what she's doing. And she has this, you know, magical wand and it gets really messy and they go back in time. Well, in one of these episodes, they go back to the 1980s because the Ninja Turtles have kind of modernized. They have adapted to our time period. They're approximately in, you know, the 20 teens somewhere, you know, so it's kind of interesting. One issue that I've always had with the Eastman and Layered version of the comic is that Splinter was a rat kept in a cage who learned ninjutsu by watching a ninjutsu master. And two, it always seemed a little hokey that he was so Japanese that I'm not saying that they are not traditional and that there's not a connection to tradition, but they just seem so stuck in this ancient ideal that really seems to be more from, you know, the Edo period than it would be in modern times. So one thing that this animated version does do is it modernizes the turtles and that includes the story. So they go back basically into the 1980s to a section of Japan where indeed, while their master is still human, in this version, he was a human who was touched by the radioactive slime, which is a mutagen, and then touched by a rat, and therefore he becomes a humanoid rat, which is kind of interesting. So he's not a rat that mutates into a humanoid form. He's a human that mutates into a rat form. So he was human. He was married and he had a daughter, but he did have a rival and that ultimately becomes the Shredder. And they did keep true to that story from Eastman and Lair that these two men were rivaling for the affection of a woman. Splinter, of course, won and married her and they had a child. Okay, so the turtles end up going back to the day where essentially the Shredder is born, if you will. Tengshen uh, dies and their master ends up leaving Japan. And it's quite interesting because they have to avoid him at all costs because they can't change his timeline. But they end up running into her. And she looks at them and she says, oh my gosh, you're Kappa. And they're like, no, no, we're not. But when you listen to the description of what a Kappa looks like and some of the old images from Japan, they are totally Kappa. I was like, what? They are, Kappa are, are basically described as a combination of amphibians being frogs, humans, and turtles. There we go. 
And I've seen some of these images from uh, an older time period, and honestly, I, I think Eastman and Laird kind of pulled from those descriptions to create the Ninja Turtles. If you are not aware, by the way, they also tied to the Daredevil folklore because Daredevil was hit in the head by this radioactive container and then the container rolls off. And so they kind of pick up the story of where that container goes. And so that's where you get the Ninja Turtles. This stuff opens up and they get mutated. So it was actually a very funny episode. And to placate them, she keeps giving them cucumbers because Kappa love cucumbers. And so, you know, they're like, enough with the cucumbers. <laughs> you know, we're here to tell you you should really stay with, you know, Yoshi. Uh, he's a really great guy uh, because I guess at one point she was actually feeling a little bit smothered by him that his really retroactive ways and this clinging to tradition was kind of bringing her down and she did want to modernize and her character was of course in jeans and a, a t-shirt you know whereas he is still wearing the much more traditional martial art outfit so it was actually fairly skillfully done uh, I think the writing was pretty decent I mean it is still a kid show so you know we're not going to have any huge revelations here but I watched that episode and then here comes this book and I read about the yokai and the kappa and I was just like, this is really cool. And again, it kind of shows how some or a lot of these Japanese images have kind of translated and begun to sink into our own culture through anime and popular television. So there you go. Uh, this is a good humanities class, but I won't go there. So what is a kappa? A uh, kappa is also called a kawatoro. And this information comes from the Book of Yokai, Mysterious Creatures of Japanese Folklore. The kappa is associated with water, usually rivers, ponds, or swamps. It is one of the most famous of all yokai in Japan. Different legends and beliefs about it are distributed throughout the country. But generally speaking, the kappa is thought of as scaly or slimy, greenish in color, with webbed feet and hands, and a carapace on its back. Sometimes it resembles a monkey, a giant frog, or a turtle. It is the size of a young child, but disproportionately strong, again, matching the ninja turtles. I think they're only five feet tall, so a little bit bigger than a child, but interesting there. A concave indentation or saucer on the top of the kappa's head contains water. If this water is spilled, the creature loses its strength. Kappa are mischievous and sometimes deadly, notorious for pulling horses and cattle into water. And they have also been known to drown young children and extract their internal organs through the anuses. That they did not talk about in the cartoon, just so you know. Despite these murderous proclivities, Kappa can be both playful and exceedingly honest. They especially enjoy sumo wrestling and like to challenge passerbys for a match. One tactic for defeating a kappa in sumo is simply to bow beforehand. When the kappa bows in response, it spills its strength-giving liquid from the saucer on its head. The kappa is at once dangerous, demonic monster, a reason to warn children about swimming in a river or pond, and an amusing, if disgusting, water sprite. While Chinese lore has certain influences on its development and comparable water creatures exist elsewhere as in world folklore, the kappa, as described here, is considered distinctly Japanese. Kappa are fond of certain foods, including melons, eggplants, and especially cucumbers, which we went over. In many places, children were warned not to go swimming after eating cucumbers because they might be attacked by a kappa. In some communities, there is a tradition that leaving cucumbers at shrines or in the water as offering to appease the resident kappa you know, was preferred. In fact, in Japan and much of the rest of the world, sushi rolls are made with cucumbers are called kappa maki, named for the kappa's love of the summer vegetables. Numerous local rituals and festivals, particularly in agricultural communities that depend on water for irrigation, celebrate kappa as water deities or suigen. 
When treated appropriately, the local kapha will ensure ample water for irrigation. If neglected or treated with disdain, it will cause drought or flooding. The kapha, therefore, can be considered simultaneously a deity and a demon, depending on the perspective of the human beings with whom it is in contact. Literally meaning river, kawa, child, warabi, the name kapha seems to perfectly describe the little beast itself, a child of the river, but kappa is actually only one of many variant words for the creature, whose wide distribution throughout Japan is reflected in its many local types. There are more than a hundred regional variations. Scholars have tried to classify various names or types of kappa found throughout Japan, organizing them into lineages. Some reflect the creature's physical resemblance to a child, kawataro, others its resemblance to a monkey, inko or enko, a turtle, Dengami or an otter, Kawaso, and other names indicate the kappa's behavior, Kamahiki or horse puller. The word kappa itself was originally a regional term used in the east of Japan from the Kanto area of Tohoku, but has now become a generic label for the creature commonly used in the academic works and in popular culture. The use of this label raises the question of how much the name of the thing determines the nature of the thing, which is interesting. If we take the term kappa as a generic label for a whole range of water creatures, and we can trace its earliest documented appearance to the Nahoshoki, in which it is explained that in the year 379, a snake-like water creature called a Mizuki had been killing travelers near a particular river. The district warden, a man of fierce temper and a great bodily strength, stood over the pool of the river fork and flung into the water three whole calabashes, saying, Thou art continually belching up poison and therefore plaguing travelers. I will kill thee, thou water snake. If thou cannot sink these calabashes, then I will take myself away. But if you cannot sink them, then will I cut up thy body. In the end, the Mizuki fails in his efforts to sink the gourds and is duly dispatched by the warden. Whether or not the water snake or spirit portrayed in the early period can be considered a kappa or perhaps a pre-kappa, and it's not until the Edo period that the creature becomes a major yokai presence. It's described in the three realms, uh, about the size of a 10-year-old child. The kawato stands and walks naked and speaks in a human voice. Its hair is short and sparse. The top of its head is concave and can hold a scoop of water. Kawato usually lives in the water, but in the light of late afternoon, many emerge in the area near the river and steal melons, eggplants, and things from the field. By nature, the kawato likes sumo. When it sees a person, it will invite him to wrestle. It also has a tendency to pull cattle and horses into the water and suck blood out of their rumps. People crossing rivers must be very careful. Kappa characteristics. Keeping in mind this complex history of regional variants and creative interactions, we can identify a number of widely noted kappa traits. As mentioned earlier, kappa are, for example, exceedingly fond of cucumbers. On the other hand, they are repelled by certain materials such as iron, an aversion common to many water spirits around the world. And this would include fairies, just so you know. Their inability to cope with calabashes or gourds is demonstrated in the uh, Nihoshoki, passage quoted earlier persists in a much later folk narrative known as the Kappa Muriri, the Kappa Bridegroom Tale. A farmer offers to give his daughter to anybody who can successfully irrigate his fields. He had assumed this would be a human being, of course, but it is a local Kappa who eventually performs the task and receives the daughter's hand. The prospective bride, understandably, is not keen on the relationship and challenges the Kappa to sink some gourds in a river. Unable to complete this impossible assignment, the Kappa exhausts himself, forsaking the marriage. Particularly in the northern part of Japan, kappa were known for pulling horses into water. In some regions, they are called komahiki or the horse puller. 
This nasty penchant for drowning horses and sometimes cattle is balanced by the fact that in most of these narratives the kappa fails, or the attempt backfires in the kappa, or just its arm is pulled back by the startled horse all the way back to the stable. In this emasculated condition, the kappa is receptive to human negotiation, and often in order to regain its freedom or get its arm back, the arm can be reattached within a certain number of days. It will pledge, for example, to stop harassing passerbys or to help with work in the fields, or perhaps to teach its captors secret medicines and techniques for setting bones. This last trait, the Kappa's knowledge of medicine, is a motif found throughout Japan. In some cases, an ancestor's negotiation with the captive Kappa is the origin of a family's lineage of medical doctors. Oh, that's kind of cool. How did you become a doctor? Well, my ancestor captured a water spirit and negotiated secret knowledge. Check. Yeah, okay. So let's switch to a website. We'll take a look at some of the characteristics of the kappa because it is also known for one rather unusual trait, and that is that it has a fascination for human rears. Yes. So while our last episode actually talked about shape-shifting scrotum, this one talks about buttocks caressing kappa. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to pause for some messages, and hopefully I'm not giving my producer too much of a headache once again. And uh, when we get back, we will talk about the remainder of the COPPA example. Yes, the COPPA as bottom caressers. And we'll deal with that right after these messages. Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. They wake me up every morning. Their tails are always wagging. They're just running constantly and chasing, you know, shadows and sticks. Their coats are much better. They're very happy dogs. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I have three dogs, Golden Retrievers. And I make their own food, ground beef, white rice, um, eggs, including the shells, and the Dynavite supplement, and then the Lico Chops. It takes a few minutes every week. Before the Dynavite, they were overweight. They slept all the time, so now they jump all over me when I'm putting it in their bowls. They're crazy about this food. And their vet said that it's so much healthier for them. Go check out Rescue Dogs. They're just waiting to be loved. Get them started on this Dynavite diet, the health food for animals, and you'll see amazing results. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio dot com. <laughs> And welcome back to Paranormal Pets. Yes, this is the part of the episode that you've been waiting for. So we are going to go to www.onmarkproductions.com and we are going to talk a little bit about some of the characteristics of the kappa. They are also known as Shirikadama because as drowning victims are generally found with distended anuses, swollen rectals, the kappa is sometimes called a Shirikadoma, which basically means anus ball or anus vampire. The idea was that it, okay, 
The shirikadama is a mythical ball at the mouth of the anus. In order for the kappa to steal the liver of the victim by reaching its arm up into the victim's anus, or shiri, the kappa must first suck out or remove the shirikadama, which means certain death for its former owner. The belief is that this ball is rather mysterious. The scholars have come up with various explanations. One explanation is the commonly observed open anus of drowning victims, as if something had been removed or sucked out. Other conceivable reasons could be the tandon, or elixir field, which is located beneath the navel and represents the focal energy point of the age-old yogic breathing and meditative techniques. Some Japanese scholars say the kappa offers the shirakadama and or liver as tribute to a snake-shaped dragon deity, the Lord of Water, the most powerful of all water deities, but most likely it is connected to the term Tama, also read Dama, which can mean either ball or jewel. When read as jewel, it can easily mean life force, spirit, or soul. Yeah, so that's kind of a admittedly unique characteristic. Says scholar Michael Dylan Foster, the Kappa's obsession with the shuri, buttocks, and hips is made apparent in legends that describe the Kappa hiding in the toilet, waiting to stroke or fondle a female victim's shuri. Aruchi points out that in the past, toilets were often situated above rivers. More important, however, is his suggestion that if we go back to an early legend of the Kappa transforming itself into a red lacquered arrow and entering the shy place of a woman, we can see that the Kappa's objective in hiding in the toilet is not necessarily to take the Shirikadama. Indeed, stories of Kappa going for women are common. Yanagita, for example, reports, in households beside the river Matazukai, village women have become pregnant with Kappa's children for up to two generations. When they are born, these children are hacked to pieces, put into small wine casts, and buried in the ground. They are grotesque. And this comes from a 1975 translation. So there's kind of a darker side to the Kappa. Bone-setting skills or medical skills, there's a positive side. Kappa are mostly evil, but not always. When benevolent, the Kappa is supposedly a skilled teacher in the art of bone-setting and other medical skills. In the real world of medicine, the term Kappa refers to plasma cells related to bone marrow. In addition, the Kappa is always portrayed as trustworthy despite its many evil ways. When captured and forced to promise never again to harm anyone, the Kappa always keeps its promise. When captured and forced to promise never again to harm anyone, one, the Kappa always keeps its promise. Kappa often help or mentor those who outwit them or capture them. The Kappa is notorious for attempting to lure horses and cows to a watery death, but the key word here is attempting. In most versions of this legend, the Kappa fails. Theories on the Kappa origins. It's very difficult to verify precisely. Some believe that the Kappa is the Kawa no Kami, the river deity mentioned in the Nohoshoki, one of Japan's earliest official records compiled around 720 CE. Theory two, some say the term kappa was first applied to leech babies, stillborn infants pitched into the river. In olden times, poor families often killed newborns because they could not afford to raise them, said an official from Tono City. They generally threw their bodies into rivers, perhaps adults made of kappa stories so that children would be afraid to go near the rivers and see the dead babies. Theory 3, Portuguese masks. Some say that the term kappa originated with the appearance of Portuguese monks in Japan in the 16th century. Clad in cloaks with hoods that hung down their backs like the kappa's tortoise shell, the monk's shaven head surrounded by a crown of hair also resembles the kappa's hair-rimmed crater of water. Kappa, the Portuguese word for the monk's habit, was applied to the sprite and remains in use today. Theory 4, Chinese monkeys. Some say the kappa descended from monkeys, most notably the writer Yanagita Kuno, 
1875 to 1962, the author of Tono Monogatari, Legends of the Tono. This author is considered to be the father of Japanese folkloric studies, so his opinion carries weight. When comparing the different names used by different localities to describe the kappa, he discovered that some areas in Japan refer to the kappa as inko, also spelled E-N-K-O, the term for monkey. There is a famous story about a monkey attempting to catch the moon's reflection, but all are drowned in the effort. One night, a monkey chieftain saw the bright reflection of the moon in the water below his tree, thinking that the moon had died and fallen into the water, and fearing that the world would thus slip unto darkness, the monkey called together his underlings and commanded them to join tails and together pull the moon out of the water. However, when the monkeys attempted the task, their combined weight was too great, the branch broke, and they fell into the water and drowned. One simple moral of the story is not to recklessly attempt the impossible. One more philosophical level, the image of the monkeys attempting to grasp the reflection of the moon is a metaphor for the unenlightened mind deluded by mere appearances. The theme was often depicted in ink paintings, usually featuring long-armed spider monkeys. There are more indications of the monkey connection in the Tono town itself. The river, Serukashi, literally means the monkey stone river. In another city, there is something called the river monkey, which lives in the waters there and attacks both men and animals. The monster is said to possess the power of a hundred men, but its power evaporates if the water atop its saucer-like head is spilled. (sighs) Wow. Theory five, Buddhist monkey mythology, that the kappa originated from earlier Buddhist tales from the mainlands of Asia, tales concerning monkeys. And there are several stories dealing with monkeys and Buddhism. So, that that actually gives me a whole new spin on that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle episode, I have to say, and thereby I will have to rewatch it in a whole new light. No wonder she was constantly giving them cucumbers if they are also supposed to create kappa human babies, have a, an affection for hips and rears, and or suck internal organs out through the anus. I would be giving a lot of cucumbers too. So, with that, we are going to finish up this episode on the kappa, the water spirits of Japan. And we have one more episode in which we'll kind of do a catch-all. Maybe looking at the river otter, a couple of the minor yokai animal spirits, and then dealing with the human-faced animal yokai. So, with that, I will remind you to, once again, please support your animal rescues. Please adopt. If you would like to check out more on the paranormal, feel free to check out the Spirits of St. Petersburg, www.spiritsofstpetersburg.com, St. Petersburg Paranormal Investigation, sppipinellas.net. Feel free to purchase a copy of Spectral Musings, which is up on amazon.com. If you search for Spectral Musings plus Brandy Stark, it should come up. This does support the paranormal investigation that I and my teams do. Feel free to browse through the older episodes of Paranormal Pets. And I think with that, I am done. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I don't know. The Japanese are throwing a lot at me these past couple days. And a lot of it is very unusual for a Western mind. And happy hauntings. I'll catch you next episode for some of the human-faced animal kappa and a few of the catch-all yokai categories. Maybe I need to drink more coffee. Take care, and I'll see you later. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. 
Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>